The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Let's go sell out. Still going. Why? No, it's gone in. It's took a deflection. The Liverpool lead. Trent Alexander-Arnold. For me, they were made the run. It almost worked its way through. Here's the shot. Oh, what about that? What a hit. Naby Keita. Match day three in the Champions League in Madrid. Salah against Oblak. Salah scores. Coolest man in the place. Right, so next up, Manchester United at Old Trafford. This is the Red Agenda and it's turning out to be a captivating week in Liverpool's season. Crazy, mad events of the uh, Wanda Metropolitano. Still very much fresh in our minds as the Reds head into one of the biggest games in world football. It's the Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hothersall. Uh, James Pearce alongside me. And let's, let's kick it off with Madrid, James. You were out there. What a venue. That stadium is absolutely magical. Yeah, one of the one of the greatest stadiums I think I've ever had the pleasure of, of visiting. Obviously, happy memories from from that Champions League final back in back in twenty nineteen, and um, yeah, and it was just an amazing contest, wasn't it? And I think probably Liverpool's biggest kind of away win, you'd say, as opposed to kind of obviously they won the final there on neutral territory. But in terms of in terms of really memorable away wins. You probably go back gotta go back to the Allianz when they, they beat Bayern Munich for for a scalp kind of as big as that because um you know that you know you're talking about the, the Spanish champions in their own backyard and you know especially in that atmosphere because it, it was intimidating, it was absolutely deafening the din in there. You know, Simeone is a is a master at at getting the fans whipped into a frenzy. Um and Liverpool did incredibly well to come out of it on top. I mean, it was a such a a crazy, chaotic game. I think probably far removed from the one that a lot of people were expecting because you know we thought that it would be quite cagey and that the Atletico would would just frustrate Liverpool for long periods and and try and feed off any mistakes that came came their way. But um, yeah, Liverpool were, were sensational early on, weren't they? Threatened to absolutely run away with it, and then the wheels came off to the point where you you almost thought there was no way back, and then. Um, you know, obviously the the big decisions I'm sure will come on to ended up going Liverpool's way in that that second half, and they found a way to to grind it out, and it's it's put them in a fantastic position in the group. We've mentioned it before when these sides have met, but there's real parallels between the two clubs, as you mentioned, in terms of the emotion and the effect that the actual crowd have on a fixture like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, it's it's that I think it's that emotion, isn't it? It's emotional football. It's it's that that strong bond between a manager and the fan base that where two clubs definitely where you know, fans do not turn up to just to be entertained. They turn up to be part of the occasion, and um, and it was certainly like that on on Tuesday night in terms of the the part that the Atletico fans played in. And helping their team get back into it after you know a pretty torrid opening, fifteen minutes, and um, yeah, that kind of, I think that made it all the sweeter in the end as well to 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 be in that kind of environment when you know it's it, it, it you know it wasn't it was intimidating and to be able to 
to dig deep and and find a way to win. And um, you know, we, we've been treated to a, all kinds of different wins from Liverpool already this season. But that that felt pretty significant to me that um, to to go away to somewhere as tough as that and and win, but you know, but still actually be saying, well, you know, yes, they could have done a lot better. Klopp was very open himself, didn't he? He said, you know, it won't it won't feature in our book of of of, of best wins in terms of the quality of football. Um, described it as a as a dirty three points, but he said dirty three points is almost or quite often the most important. And um, yeah, you'd you'd certainly file it under that. Yeah, the so-called group of death and Liverpool are top of it and sailing through at the moment. Look, there's a, there's a million different talking points we would go we could go with. Uh, we'll just start with the fact that obviously Mo Salah scores the first goal, although at that moment in time, and I would imagine in the stadium, James, you, you didn't have a clue whether it was him or whether Milner got a touch or whether it was an own goal. They, in fact, the commentators on telly here spent about 10 minutes trying to decide this. Yeah, well, where I was in, in the in the back of the the press box in the stadium, there were there were no monitors, which you know usually you have at, at games these days. So um, so no, I I I I, could, I knew it had taken a slight deflection, but I didn't know whether it had come off Milner or the defender. And um, well, initially I went onto UEFA's website, and they they gave the goal to to Milner, um, for, you know, at the start, and then it, I think it was only about ten or fifteen minutes later that it had changed back to to Mo Salah. I think you know quite rightly, I think if there's any any doubt whatsoever it has to be Salah's goal because it, again it was another piece of of brilliance from him out and nothing wasn't it again picking that ball up on the on the wide on the right nothing looked on you know suddenly that burst of acceleration and the the quality to get away from the defenders and and get the shot away so um yeah it was just just a dream start for Liverpool and to, I thought Atletico looked absolutely shell-shocked by the intensity they were hit with I just don't think they're used to facing that on a on a weekly basis in La Liga. You know, I think they, you know, they I think they thought that Liverpool would, there'd almost be a bit of a cagey start where Liverpool would just ease ease their way into it. And obviously, they were Atletico were more than happy for Liverpool to back off and have the ball. Um, but they didn't, yeah, they didn't expect to be carved apart in in the manner in which they were in that that opening ten fifteen. None of us were thinking it was going to be 2-0 after an early stage in the game. Um, the, the only person who would have been unhappy with that Mo Salah goal would be John Aldridge. That beats Holdo's record, doesn't it? Is that nine in, in a row now for Mo Salah? Yeah, for, first player in the club's history to score in nine successive matches. Um, and also, you know, getting two on the night meant he went ahead of Steven Gerrard in terms of the uh, the highest goal scorer in, in Champions League history for the club. So, uh yeah, it just feels like every week at the moment he's rewriting the the record books, isn't he? So um, yeah, and you know, and obviously for for him to to have the you know the the calmness and the composure to stick away that 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 penalty late on as well. When you know, again in you know, he's, when he's you know, I think I think there was there was even a bit of gamesmanship as well as from the Atletico players, even from a, the ball boys behind the goal doing their, everything they could to to put him off properly under instructions <laughs> from. Diogo Simeone. So um, yeah, Liverpool are you know, obviously absolutely blessed at the moment to to have Mo Salah leading the charge. Okay, let's move on to the good slash bad. And um, Naby Keita is who you focused on on your piece for the Athletic. And I think it's fair enough to say we saw a flash of brilliance there in his goal. Uh, to make it 2-0. But then we also saw some of the negative parts of the game which have perhaps hindered him. So 
maybe challenging for the ball, winning enough possession back. And you, and you sort of summed it up by saying it's a little bit of a microcosm of his, his career today, James. Yeah, that, that's how it felt to me watching it because, you know, I think Gabby Cage is one of those players who polarises opinion amongst supporters. And um, certainly when you, if you look at the reaction to, to what I wrote, um, you see that in terms of it doesn't seem to be too much middle ground, even though I tried to... I, I, I tried to, 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 to kind of tread down that middle ground. And I think, you know, I like Cater. I think there's a lot of redeeming qualities in him as a midfielder. I think he gives Liverpool something different with, he, you know, with his, you know, his dynamism and his creativity. And as we saw the other night, it was you know, a fantastic strike on the volley to, to put them 2-0 up. But you know, the reality is that in his fourth season at Liverpool, you know, the, the jury is still out and the, um, we're still seeing weaknesses in his game that are being exposed and it's it's that tactical side of the game the work off the ball um that at times lets him down and you know that's it, it you know it's 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 strange because you know that some people have said oh you know it's a, it's a witch hunt you know you've got it in for him it's bias it's you know, it's that's nonsense it's like you know the reality is he got subbed off again at half time in a massive european game the last time you know the re- the reason why i felt it was you know it was kind of timely to write about him was well for a start I haven't really written about Cater so far this season and also let's not forget you know the last big European night Liverpool had was in Madrid he didn't even make it to half time when he got subbed off against Real Madrid now back in Madrid across town at the the Metropolitano and you know and again when when Klopp rings the changes at half time which he needed to do clearly to try and get back some control he's the one that that makes way and um you know it's so it's you know, it's not a personal thing, you know. It's Klopp, and I know people said, well, after the game, Klopp said that wasn't the reason he oh, took him he off. Oh, clearly was, wasn't it? I think for any, of course it was, of course it was. I mean, I, I, you know, Klopp, you know, you're not going to get Klopp does not throw players under buses, does he? You know, he's not going to say I had to take Naby off because I wasn't impressed with his work off the ball. You know, there was, you know, and I know Klopp pointed to the fact that he's had like a you know a grueling schedule with I think he he'd, he'd had a uh, you know I think it was his fourth start in the space of 11 days with the games against Sudan and Morocco that he had on international duty with Guinea but um but no it was you know he he he, he, he you know he, he did you can't get away from the fact that he was in part responsible for those two Atletico goals in in the first half I mean the Klopp said himself we knew that they had that short root, corner routine we'd worked on it and of course he you know he's there essentially to stop Thomas Lamar from, from from going down the inside. We know that Thomas Lamar, who I thought was brilliant on the night, is going to go onto his left foot. Yet, you know, he got past Cater far too easily. Yes, still the danger should have been dealt with before then, but you know, that was that was, you know, influential in Atletico's first goal. And then for the second one, Jao Felix got away from him far too easily. Um, and then again, I thought Van Dyke didn't cover himself in glory for for Griezmann's second goal, um, where he was. It just seemed like his body position was all wrong. So it was, you know, is you know, yes, Cater should have stopped the danger before that point, but it still, you know, it wasn't like Cater's a mistake put one on a plate for Atletico. There was still a fair bit to to go. But it was even, I mean, I was watching Klopp in that in that first half, and even after the the, the second Atletico goal, he was kind of. You know, shouting at you know Cater and you know worried about that that right hand side and and feeling that you know that was where the space was that Atletico were exploiting and you know of course he took action at the break and 
And you know, and again, we saw Liverpool are a very different team with and without Fabinho. Um, you know, I can I can understand why Klopp didn't start Fabinho because I think clearly having gone straight to to Spain from Brazil, he hadn't been able to train with the squad, so he wouldn't have worked on the tactical shape and all the things they would have done at Kirby. Um, but um, yeah, that that change just had to be made, and and, and you know, and you know, I I think Naby Keita has still got. A really important role to play for Liverpool. You know, I I think against lesser teams, he can be really important with helping Liverpool break them down. I thought he was very good against Watford last weekend, but you know, you can't get away from the fact that when the really big games come along, he either doesn't get picked or he tends to get brought off early, which is what happened the other night. You know, he didn't. He was an unused sub against Chelsea at home. He was an unused sub against Man City at home. Um, so you know, and. And I think you're entitled when you spend, what was it, in the best part of £53 million on a player. We're talking about the third most expensive signing in the club's history. You know, I, I think it's just it's just common sense that, of course, you expected a bit more. You know, he was he was bought to influence the biggest games. And, um, yeah, it, it just felt to me like that the other night did almost sum up his career. You know, if you love Naby Keita, there was something there to cling to, a piece of absolute brilliance. And if you've got your doubts about him, then, you know, that was there for you as well because um, you know he he you know he he, you know, he he wasn't good enough off the ball and that and it ultimately resulted in a in another early shower for him in Madrid. And you know there's big competition for places as well in the in the midfield. Curtis Jones is coming back. Thiago's going to be fit as well. And once you've got all those players fit and and able to be involved, I mean it just really heightens the pressure. I mean. If we're thinking about, you know, is Jurgen a man who gives second chances? He clearly loves Naby and he's clearly given a lot of chances, hasn't he? But Naby's got to start doing it himself. He's got to show the all-round package to feature long-term for this side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I think that's a fair point that at the moment, you know, the midfield options are depleted. So it, it, it feels like a bit of a wasted opportunity for Cater, really, in terms of you know, and especially I think even more frustrating the fact that you know he scores that fantastic goal, and you think, you know, at that point, you know, I thought I would be writing about you know, you know, what you know, what a what a contrasting return to Madrid for him compared to the last one when you know an error strewn display ends in you know the, the the kind of the embarrassment of getting subbed off before half time, but he you know he he he, he couldn't build on it. it, and that was that was a real frustration for me because I you know we all want to see Naby Keita hit the heights that we know that he is capable of. But you're right, you know, with Curtis Jones coming back, Thiago, you know, in the new year, you know, obviously at some point we'll have Harvey Elliott back around as well. So the competition is tough and um, it'll be intriguing to see what Klopp decides at the weekend because, like I said, in, you know, you know, this is probably United away, probably the the next biggest one after Chelsea and City coming to Anfield and Cater wasn't trusted for those games, you know. Will he be? Will he be trusted for the weekend at, at Old Trafford? That will be, that'll be interesting to see. And obviously, I think looking to the longer term, there's a big decision for Liverpool to make there in terms of, um, you know, he he's got the same time left in his contract as Mo Salah, and obviously there's a lot of talk about Salah at the moment. And you know, so you're reaching that point certainly next summer, if not before, where you say, well, you either have to give Naby Keita a new contract, or you probably have to look to move him on because. Um, you know, you can't risk him going down into the final year of his deal. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I just, it's, I think it's a quite a difficult Liverpool career to make sense of because, you know, he, he hasn't been a, I wouldn't describe him as a flop. I think 
I think he there's been times along the way when he's made some really, really important contributions, yet there's definitely that nagging feeling of he hasn't fulfilled the potential that we all hoped having you know having watched him light up the Bundesliga before he came to Liverpool. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. James, what have, what have we learned from this Atletico game going into the Manchester United game? What, what have Liverpool got to avoid doing? I mean, they can't leave the spaces that they did against Atletico and expect United not to punish them because they've got some real force going forward. Your Rashfords, your, your Greenwoods, they've, they've got some really good attacking players. Yeah, I, I, I think, I'm, and I'm sure something that's been talked about since Tuesday night amongst Klopp and his and his staff will be game management because I think um, that was probably what was lacking the other night against Atletico at times. Um, you know, having got themselves in that fantastic position to 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 let Atletico back in the game and to ease off. Um, you know, and, and it's that's what you know. It makes Sunday such an intriguing battle because you know I sat and watched Manchester United against Atalanta and you're kind of you're licking your lips one minute at just how open United look and how vulnerable defensively and you look at the former Salah and Mane and Firmino and you think you know this fixture's coming at a great time but then you know similarly you know the, the way in which United staged that fight back and yes Liverpool are a, a much superior team to Atalanta but you know they, they do have serious firepower United and um, the protection has to be right in front of the back line the back line can't make the kind of sloppy mistakes that they made the other night. Um, so, so yeah, it's. I think that's the big thing for me, that control in game management where, because we, we know Liverpool are, are creating so many chances going forward. You know, the, the fluency is back. I mean, it's, you know, it's a crazy statistic. This, this, the one that, you know, that they've scored three or more goals in eight successive away games in all competitions. You know, no, no English team has, has ever done that. Um, so we we know we we know that they've got all the weapons they need to to go and hurt United. It is just a case of can they be can they keep it tight down down the other end? And um, you know obviously a big part of that is the you know not just not just the the defensive line, but also you know the balance of the midfield and and making sure that they um, you know they they cover spaces and block passing lanes and and and, and to probably just keep the ball better as well. I think in terms of just to ease 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 pressure at times because um, yeah it's you know it's unrealistic to think you're going to have it all your own way at Old Trafford. Your head would say that Liverpool are a superior footballing side at the moment. I think everyone would would probably agree on that. But but your heart would say 
in this fixture, Liverpool haven't always been successful at Old Trafford. It's been a little bit of a higgledy-piggledy ride there. And actually, once you put 70-odd thousand United supporters in there as well, this really does influence this this sort of fixture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think the big thing for me, even, even watching United stage that recovery last night, was I still feel they're quite brittle. I still feel that you can get at this United team... Um, I still, I still think that you know Liverpool can prey on that. I think um, you know Solskjaer is is under really real, you know, serious pressure at the moment, and you know, and that's the big thing for Liverpool. They need to, they need to prey on that. They need to, they need to impose themselves on the game early on. They, you know, they, you can't, you don't want to give United a foothold because it, you know it will be. I'm sure you know that it will be. Buoyant early on, but we saw with those boos that echoed around Old Trafford at, at half time last night that it's you know it, it it's you know it it's not exactly built on strong foundations. You know, you know there's a lot of frustration behind the scenes, and and of course you know that the the absolute nightmare scenario for them is Liverpool coming to town and exposing that gulf that I believe exists between the teams because you know it's despite all the money that United have spent. You know, they look like to me a team of individuals rather than a, a cohesive unit, and that comes down to the the you know the manager really. You know, I think um, the the difference between Liverpool and Manchester United, the biggest difference is in terms of the caliber of the the, the two men leading the charge. You know, it's when you compare you know, you know the what Klopp has achieved to to Solskjaer. Um, you know, I I think I think Liverpool fans all, all want Solskjaer to stay in charge as long as. As long as possible, because I think with the the individual talent they've got, they they are always gonna they're gonna have they're always gonna win games because you know they've 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 you know when you've got Ronaldo, when you've got Rashford, when you've got Bruno Fernandes, players like this, you know their individual quality will get you over the line at times. But you know I I think as we've seen already this season, United aren't serious contenders for the Premier League title, and and Sunday represents a massive opportunity. For Liverpool to underline, you know what what the difference is between the teams. Someone made a comment to me at Preston North End last night as I was, I was covering the game about um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I said, well, you know, is there another Premier League team, any of the Premier League teams, that would actually appoint Ole as their manager? In fact, if you went into the Championship, you know, is there a Championship team that would appoint Ole? And and that sort of leaves you scratching your head, thinking, well, possibly not. Yeah, I, I think I think that's fair. I mean. It's yeah. I I thought it was a you know a little bit of a strange appointment at the time because you know of course for a job of that stature usually you're looking for someone with a a CV to to give you that belief as a if you're a fan of that club that he can he can take you to the next level. Whilst you know they obviously went down the route of someone who was adored because of what he'd done as a player at the club rather than you know his his track record in management and. Um, yeah, it's you know I think at times there's been a bit of an incoherent recruitment strategy there that you know even this summer where you know and it's you know you you kind of loathe to to criticise it because you know again Ronaldo pops up and and delivers the you know the late winner and you know we know he's an unbelievable talent but you know did they really need him in terms of when you're looking at priorities to take United the next step to make them serious contenders this season it just felt like you know that. You know that 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 midfield area was probably where they really needed, you know, another another signing. Um, so yeah, it's I, I think it's it's going to be. You know, I I can't wait for Sunday afternoon. I've you know, 
I'll be at Old Trafford and you know it was because as good as obviously it was to see Liverpool win there towards the back end of last season and um, you know in an empty stadium yeah yeah which is it just isn't the same is it I think no and I'm sure you know in the same way as for Evertonians winning at Anfield for the first time in 20 odd years won't have meant quite meant quite so much because the away end was empty the same for for Liverpool going there and and winning at Old Trafford, which of course was the first time they'd managed that under Klopp. Um, you know, traditionally under Klopp, it's it, I, th- I think you know that they've almost been a bit hesitant. Um, certainly in the games at Old Trafford under Klopp played in front of supporters, they haven't. You know, it's it's almost I've always got the feeling that they've almost shown United a bit too much respect um, and, and treated them like you know they they are you know uh, you know the, they're they're serious contenders when. You know, it, during that period, United haven't been, and I think I think that's another big thing on Sunday in that atmosphere, which you know, which which it will be, you know, it, it will be very lively certainly before the game. I just I just hope Liverpool do impose themselves on it like they did early on against Atletico, because um, yeah, you, you you don't want you don't want United to, to you know to be given any kind of any greater encouragement in this one, and um, yeah, I'm sure we'll see Fabinho come back into the the side. I think that's. That's absolutely nailed on. I think obviously Curtis Jones is back in full training as well, so that gives Klopp another option in that department. And then, you know, I think you know, it'd be interesting to see whether we see Jota because um, you know, obviously you know he hasn't started the last two, um, so you know he he's relatively fresh. So you wonder whether whether Klopp might be looking to to draft him in as well. And we've spent plenty of time in the past few pods talking about Mo, but let's face it. They- this is the greatest stage, one of the biggest matches in world football for Mo Salah and for Cristiano Ronaldo. And let's face it, these lads are no different than, than anyone else. They're thinking that themselves heading into this. Mo knows he's scored his brilliant goals against you know, Watford and Manchester City, but he knows he's heading into a fixture where he can, he can properly be on the world stage. Yeah, 100%. Because I think... You know the the reality is that these are the the two the two biggest teams two biggest clubs in world football you know in, certainly in in British football and two of the biggest in in world football because you know regardless regardless of what these clubs have won in recent years and obviously Liverpool have been much more successful in in the past few seasons but you know when you when you look at genuine heavyweights in terms of fan bases. And in terms of you know viewing figures, this this one, you know, the the eyes of the world will be at Old Trafford on, on Sunday afternoon, and and you know it's the the reality is that you know the the games against Man City don't have the same pull, because they don't have the same history and the tradition, and that and that still counts for an awful lot, and um, yeah, I'm I'm sure Mo Salah will be absolutely licking his lips, especially you know when you. When you looked at the way in which you know Lindelof was was exposed at times last night and Maguire as well, um, yeah, it's you know, and, and again I think United have that issue with protection in front of the back line that Liverpool have had at times. Certainly they had the other night in Atletico, so it, you just struggle to see it being cagey. I think you know it has the, these games. Sometimes you build them up and and they end up being you know absolute damp squibs, but it's. It doesn't feel like that will be the case with this one because um, you know it's two teams who, at the moment, their biggest strength is is going on the front foot and, and attacking. And you know, I, I just think just the amount of, of attacking quality on the pitch will almost will almost demand that it is it is a very very entertaining contest. And um, 
yeah, for, for Liverpool, it, it just feels it feels really big, and it feels it feels like it's coming at a good time as well. Because I think was it twenty one games unbeaten in all competitions, um, you know that that attacking fluency really is back, um, and you know there's no better place to go and showcase that than than down the other end of the East Lanks. Finally, a word on the ref. It's Anthony Taylor from Withenshaw, so uh, just a few miles out of Manchester. But but Liverpool have actually got a good record with him in charge, and. He was the man who officiated last year in the 4-2. But we've got a Merseyside involved. Mike Dean's the fourth official. Don't know whether that, that balances it up. Anthony Taylor actually hasn't been that bad, has he, for Liverpool games? No, I, I think, you know, you're, you're right, he did do the game there last season. I think, I think obviously, with his greater Manchester roots, there's always there's always a lot of talk <laughs> when Anthony Taylor does get these kind of games. But, um, no, I just... Let's just hope that, that we're not talking about... Um, the officials come come Sunday evening. Hopefully, we're talking about the the quality of the the football out there. The only thing I do think is odd. That I don't know why Michael Oliver seems to have suddenly been overlooked for games like this. It feels like some of the big games Liverpool have had this season. You you almost felt it traditionally he was. Yeah, for me, he's still the best the best referee around. Um, so it's slightly odd that he hasn't been given a game like this. But um, no, I'm not. I'm not massively worried. I think I think as well, you know, you've got, you know, yes, of course, a referee can influence a game, but you know, with with VAR there as well, um, you know, I, I think I think that gives you that kind of added security that, you know, if if a if a bad mistake is made that it it will be it will be swiftly rectified and um, you know, certainly VAR came to Liverpool's rescue a little bit the other night with that um, that penalty overturn and um, you know talking about our referees I think you've got to give that German official a massive <laughs> amount of praise because um, I must admit when I was sat there and listening to the jeers and the whistles and watching Simeone and his staff chuntering away in his ear and the players shouting at him you just thought there's no chance he's going to overturn this in this kind of environment because people are just going to go absolutely wild but um yeah, fair play to that German official for having the uh, yeah, for having the balls to um, to decide that you know that I, I felt the Atletico player had, had kind of initiated the contact initially. I thought it would have been a very very soft penalty, and um, so yeah, VAR came to Liverpool's rescue there. And um, yeah, it's it, you know that's it, it, you know I think as well with it being cho- playing Tuesday, you know they came back and they've got a you know decent preparation time, so. Yeah, there there can be no excuses going to Old Trafford on Sunday. You know, it's I think I think the the preparations have been good, and and now it's all about going out there and 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 I, you know, like we talked about before, I think Liverpool have got a fantastic opportunity to to showcase that they they are on a different level to United at the moment. Talking about brave, um, Hermoso giving away that penalty. Uh, what on earth was going through his mind? But his his manager later. I mean, did you see him actually come out of the dressing room? Has he has he been seen since? Has <laughs> Diego Simeone actually? Uh, well, that's one of the shames with obviously the ongoing COVID uh, restrictions. It means you don't you don't get the mix zone area that you used to get where players walk through. And uh, yeah, it's um, yeah. He's disappeared. It was, yeah, it was a, it was. It was just a rush of blood, wasn't it? It was bizarre the fact that you know when I think it was Trent who hooked the ball back forward, wasn't it? It was. You know, as, you know, it was no real danger to to clatter into Jota like that. Was was absolutely absolutely crazy. It's you know, it was almost like because it was you know, it was probably symptomatic of how combative and on you know the in your face Atletico tried to be. But of course, you know, you've got to pick and choose your moments. And um, yeah, Liverpool obviously weren't complaining. And you know, and I think 
you, you mentioned at the start, Steve, you know, the, the group of death, which is what it was being called at the start when the draw was made. And, you know, yet I think beyond Klopp's wildest dreams, the fact that three games in Liverpool are, are five points clear with a 100% record. And, you know, if they can beat Atletico at Anfield in a couple of weeks, then you know that's pretty much job done. And, it, you know, and that will help Liverpool further down the line because, you know, the fixture schedule is going to get more and more hectic. And, you know, how Klopp would absolutely love, you know, it, one game, if not two, in the Champions League where there isn't really much riding on the outcome and he can he can rest key personnel. James, we'll leave it there. Can't wait to catch up next week after the Manchester United uh, game. So look out for, for James's coverage of that on the site. Uh, thank you very much indeed for listening to the, uh, the Red Agenda and we'll be back after the weekend.